0: Colossians we're going into the book of Colossians if you have your Bible here's the thing I want to tell you is make it fun tonight make it a fun thing with your family get your friends together on Monday nights when we go through the verse by verse order pizza get your coffee and make this exciting I believe that one of the reasons why God is having me do the verse by verse every few weeks or every other week is to bring excitement back to the Word of God I, w- I want to get people excited about the Bible there's supernatural transforming power when we read the Word of God if you want to know who God is what he's like what Jesus is Like what His plan is for your life, we need to get in the Bible. Without the Bible, there will be no revival. So get excited! Make these things a family night. Come on, we do family night at the movies, family night at the the, this, family night at the vacation spot. Do family night in the Word of God. Show your kids that you're excited about it. Put out your Bible. Take your notes. Get your kids a Bible so that you can show them that god is not boring god is not boring excitement for god's word is returning i believe this in jesus name we are going into the book of colossians part one what we'll probably do is do chapter one tonight and then do chapters three through or two through four the next week because four and three are really short and two is a little bit longer but one is the longest the most meat chapter in the book of Colossians. So this should only take us about two weeks, but we are on a journey if you didn't know to preach every verse out of the New Testament on live stream on YouTube. And so far we've done the entire book of Revelation. We've done the entire book of Acts. We've done the entire book of Romans, the entire book of Ephesians, Philippians, and now Colossians. So we're working our way slowly but surely. Some of these take five to six months each, but we are working our way through the entire New Testament for all of those people that say, oh, Isaiah doesn't really preach the Bible or do the Bible. uh, I don't to tell you because we've literally done like 50 something hours of verse by verse teaching we're using the new King James so if you're like oh it doesn't make sense what version are you using we're using the new King James version so I highly recommend to grab a new King James version Bible so it's actually word for word what we're going to be using I also read the NLT but for my verse by verse I like to use a new, use the new King James version okay this letter is from Paul this was written around 60 to 62 AD. And the reason why paul wrote this letter primarily is he was in prison and he heard some christians in the city were being influenced by bad incorrect teaching so he's writing this letter to bring clarity and correction now there's no evidence that paul ever visited these believers in person so he's writing to them before ever knowing them or experiencing them meeting them in person but it seemed that he helped direct this church from a distance and these believers here in the book of colossians were mostly gentiles Some of the heresies that were being taught as part of a philosophy called Gnosticism, which now this philosophy, they were being infiltrated by, we call Gnosticism. I'll give you some of these heresies. And then I want you to keep these heresies in your mind as we go through chapter one. So it'll make sense. Paul, it seems like sometimes is randomly saying things, but you'll realize if you know the culture, Paul is not randomly saying things. Paul's actually writing to combat heretical teachings and the heretical teachings that we call out today are really petty compared to the heretical teachings that they dealt with in scripture we're not going to see Paul calling out people by name saying avoid and listing 10 different people and making 40 videos on it but we are going to see Paul coming against the teachings and the principles that are absolutely unorthodox and unbiblical these are not again teachings that you hear like on YouTube these are unorthodox unbiblical teachings that Paul was fighting and dealing with that was happening here and so he's writing to these believers in the book of Colossians come against these teachings so some of the teachings were the spirit is good but matter is evil so they were teaching that spiritually we're good but our physical body and physical things are evil things they were teaching you must follow ceremonies rituals and restrictions in order to be saved or perfect there's one place we probably won't get to this week where Paul says stop worrying about people that make you honor the Sabbaths and the festivals and all of these religious things he's like don't worry about those people that try to make you do that that's because these people were saying you need to adhere to all the festivals all the traditions all the things going on and Paul was saying no you don't so that was one of the teachings another teaching was you must deny the body and live in strict self-denial another teaching was angels must be worshiped which is a false teaching we do not worship angels we worship God So this was a teaching Paul's going to talk about when he talks about the rankings of angels here in chapter one, he's combating the idea that we're to worship angels. Another false teaching we're going to break tonight is that Christ could not be both human and divine. Okay. We lost 500 people on YouTube right now. If you're on YouTube and you got kicked out, well, you probably can't hear me, but just refresh the broadcast. If you're getting kicked out, the devil is a liar. Just refresh the broadcast. So one of the biggest teachings Paul's going to come against is that Christ could not be human and divine. He either has to be human or he has to be divine but you can't be both and this is something they were teaching that paul's going to come against they also teach that you must obtain secret knowledge in order to be saved or to be perfected they teach you must adhere to human tradition wisdom knowledge and philosophies and then it's good to combine different aspects of various religions these are all the false teachings that are going on with gnosticism being taught to these believers these gentiles and so paul is going to come in and paul is going to bring correction to these gentiles so he's going to address every one of these teachings and more as we go through this book the theme that paul is going to convey in this book is that jesus is enough right there in the chat jesus is enough nothing added is needed for salvation and he will stress that jesus is fully divine okay so now we're going to start with that framework Jesus is divine and he's enough. We don't need to add anything to him. Paul is going to start this letter in the book of Colossians. We're going to start in chapter one, verses one through two. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Coloss. It's, it's a weird spelling and I looked up like 20 pronunciations, but the best one I could find was Coloss. So in Christ who are in Coloss, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul starts the letter. Remember, Paul does not know these people personally. Paul has not met these people personally. Paul has not seen these people in the flesh. And Paul is going to start his letter out by stating that he's an apostle, a.k.a. a person in authority. So he's not randomly writing this letter like some random guy in the church. Paul comes with biblical authority as an apostle. And remember, again, he doesn't know them personally because they may have thought, who does this guy think he is bringing correction to us? So Paul's making sure he's saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, opening sentence, Jesus Christ by the will of God. So he's an apostle, but not a self-appointed apostle. He's an apostle by the will of God. He did not decide one day to wake up and say, I'm going to be an apostle. It was God's will that Paul would be an apostle. It's God's will that some of you would be pastors. It's God's will that some of you would be apostles. It's God's will that some of you would be prophets. Some of you would be evangelists. Some of you would be teachers. It is a false teaching to say there's no more pastors there's no more apostles there's no more prophets there's no more teachings ephesians chapter 4 clearly says that god has given this fivefold ministry to the church some apostles some prophets some teachers some pastors some evangelists these are active today god is still doing it there's no verse in the bible that says these have passed away that god is no longer appointing apostles prophets pastors and teachers do we still need them of course we do and they're still happening today but paul is saying i am an apostle so the question is well who, who appointed you and here's who appointed paul the will of god and this is why paul was able to come and say to the religious people i don't care what you have to say or what you think about me he says you did not approve of me you did not call me you were not the one that knocked me to the ground on the road to Damascus and save me and speak to me and open up my eyes to what I was doing it was Jesus so not worried about people that didn't call me why do we spend so much time and so much real estate in our mind worrying about all these people around us that didn't call us did you hear what so-and-so said about you Isaiah why should I care they didn't call me they didn't save me when I was an atheist 12 12 years ago they didn't come and say Isaiah I have a plan for you It was God that told me to preach. Now, I don't label myself as anything. I've never said I'm a prophet. I've never said I'm an apostle. I've never said I'm a pastor. When people call me pastor or prophet or this, I tell them don't call me that because I just like being called Isaiah. I already have an Old Testament prophet's name. My parents literally named me Isaiah. So you don't need to call me a certain title or this. It's not wrong to people that do. I just personally don't, don't walk around with the title, but it's not wrong. Paul was an apostle by the will of God. So can god still call people by his will of course he can could god still appoint people of course he can you probably shouldn't be an apostle if god doesn't appoint you you shouldn't be a prophet if god doesn't appoint me you shouldn't be a leader if god doesn't tell you to be a leader paul says don't long don't desire to be a teacher we're going to be held at a much higher judgment i'll tell you this one thing if it wasn't for god calling me when i was an atheist 12 years ago and changing my life and saving me i would not be doing this i did not wake up one day and go hmm I know my lifelong dream has to be a police officer and i went to college for that and that my whole life that's all i wanted to be and i was going through the process to be a deputy sheriff i know that's like what i want to do but maybe i'll just instead preach for you know preach i guess and see what happens friend if it wasn't for god i would have never had open doors to preach i would have never preached i would never be here doing these lives i would never be making content. i would never be preaching anything if it wasn't for god calling me so again i'm not saying i'm an apostle or prophet or none of those things But the very reason i'm preaching the gospel is because of the will of god it was god's plan for me and god's purpose and this is one of the reasons why you can't knock me off and get me just and get me you know frustrated like oh somebody made another video about me people make a video about me every day and i don't lose an ounce of sleep because i know who called me now if I called me maybe I'd be like well maybe I shouldn't be doing this because you know all these guys are making videos about me and because they they hate deliverance they hate the move of God they hate the Holy Spirit's power moving that's really what they hate and that's the only thing they say that's bad about me is I believe that deliverance and miracles so they're like ah he's a false prophet so again that doesn't throw me off because I'm I'm reminded January 12 2011 when I walked to an altar cursed at God and god spoke audibly to me and saved me and changed my life and i was born again i put my faith in jesus i looked to the cross and i've never looked back that's that's what anchors me when i'm in the storm it's god that anchors me and i want some of you right now to have a flashback and remember who called you before you get discouraged by somebody talking bad about you a family member saying you're crazy or that you're this or that you're too eccentric or too passionate or too loud or you talk too fast or you need to finish bible college or whatever it is you've been accused of i want you to just stop and remember when god saved you remember when god called you that you are alive right now for such a time as this because god spared your life type one in the chat if you in a literal sense should be dead right now if it wasn't for god like you know only do it if you know and i'm gonna be the first one to do it only do this if you know that you know that you know you 100 percent should be dead but it was the grace and the mercy of god that spared your life that called you to preach that anointed you and that mandated you okay then let me ask you why are you worrying about people that didn't spare you if it was if it wasn't for god you would be dead if you typed one in the chat you are living on borrowed time you are living on borrowed time because you should have been dead if it wasn't for God so you're now living on borrowed time so now that you're on borrowed time the time belongs to God because he spared you spend the rest of your life serving him that's my theory should have been dead for sure multiple times but for sure for sure at 12 years old when I accidentally hung myself and an angel literally pulled me off of a rope hanging in a metal barn so like verifiably I should be dead 100%. But God pulled me off that rope. And so now, from 12 years old till now, I'm 31, I've been living on borrowed time. My life doesn't belong to me. I should be dead if it wasn't for the grace of God so God pulled me off the rope for a reason it wasn't just to warm a chair it wasn't to, to cower at people that were talking about about me it was to boldly proclaim his gospel so I say all that to say and this is why we're gonna go through only chapter one because these are all very very meaty what we're gonna talk about here Paul's not self-appointed he's appointed by the will of God the Greek word for apostle is apostolos and it means one who is sent out that's all apostle means it's a sent one it's someone that was sent out and in Paul's case who sent Paul? God sent Paul. God said, Paul, go preach. Go preach the message of the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles. Paul also affirms these believers by calling them two things, saints and faithful brethren. Paul uses the word saint, and it doesn't mean someone that has a super special position in God or someone that's perfect. The word saint means set apart, sanctified, consecrated, or holy. Every Christian is a saint because their sins have been cleansed by Jesus's death. So that qualifies you to have a special relationship with god and to go to heaven so salvation is not just one day i'm going to die and float up in the sky salvation is i couldn't have a relationship with god before and without the death of jesus and resurrection It was absolutely impossible to have a relationship with God, but now I can have a real relationship with God. And thankfully, this is not about earning the title of a saint. This is not about earning my salvation or earning some type of brotherhood. This is about not what I've done, but what Jesus has done. So being a saint is not something I can do in my own strength, but being faithful is something I must choose to do. So they are saints and faithful brethren. Saints, it's a position that I have because I'm in Christ. Faithful brethren is something I choose to be faithfulness write this down is a trait that we choose to include in our lives we choose to become faithful and be faithful it's a daily decision to say I'm going to stay faithful to the plan and purpose that God has on my life basically being faithful is I'm going to keep showing up Even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to be faithful. Even if I don't want to pray, I'm going to be faithful and pray. Even if I don't want to read the Bible today, I'm going to be faithful and read the Bible. Even if I don't feel like fasting, I'm going to still continue to fast. Even though I don't feel like going to church, I am faithful. It's it's a characteristic of the divine God that I serve. It's, It's a characteristic of God. Faithfulness. It's a godly attribute. Our God is faithful. That means God always shows up. Name one time where God didn't show up for you. He's faithful. He never fails. He's, he's never like just not there for us. God doesn't just flake out on us. God chooses to be faithful. If you're one of those flaky Christians that are up and down, back and forth, you need the faithfulness of God. Come on, don't leave this broadcast tonight. I'm preaching to somebody. You need the faithfulness of God. Faithfulness is what keeps me going. There are many, many, many days. I want to just be honest as possible with you guys. Where I don't want to record. I spent the other day. I think like three hours thinking of video ideas, praying about video ideas, reading parts of the Bible, trying to stir up some type of inspiration to make a video. Cause I'm like, man, I've, I've posted over a thousand videos. Like what could I possibly talk about? And like three, four hours at the end of it, I had no idea. I still had no idea. I was like, but I didn't even make any progress, but I kept praying. I kept reading. I kept searching for some topic, something God is saying, some inspiration. And then boom, the Holy spirit dropped something on me. And I made the video, even though, I didn't feel like making the video I didn't want to make the video I didn't want to prepare notes I didn't want to go and look through the scriptures but you know what faithfulness rises up in me the faithfulness of God to say even when I don't feel it I just keep showing up I just keep showing up this is a divine attribute that we need Lord I need faithfulness tonight Lord I want to be faithful I'm tired Lord of being so flaky You got to get so tired of just not showing up all the time, not showing up to prayer, not showing up to church. Not it's so, isn't it so much easier to not be faithful and to be flaky? And this is why some of your your guys's marriages are falling apart because you don't know the concept of faithfulness. It's not my wife is gives fifty percent and I give fifty percent. It's I give hundred percent, regardless of what my wife gives. See, if it's I give 50% and she gives 50%, and then what happens the days she only gives 20% or 30% or 10%? Or what if your spouse is an unbeliever and they only give 5%? Then your marriage fails. But if you say, I'm showing up giving 100% every time, I don't care if you give 5%, 20%, 50%, 70%, I'm giving 100% in this marriage because I am faithful. When I made that what, that covenant at the altar saying, yes, that till death do us part, I committed to faithfulness that no matter what, I'm gonna stay by your side. Well, I don't really know anymore. I don't really feel it anymore. She doesn't look the way that she used to, neither do you. Reality check, neither do you. Well, I just don't feel the love anymore. Love is not a feeling. Love is not some emotion or some fuzzies down your back or some honeymoon thing. This is about being faithful and saying, I made a commitment to God. I made a commitment. I'm preaching to somebody tonight prophetically. I made a commitment to my wife and I'm not gonna break that commitment. So I don't care if she doesn't do her part or he, Doesn't do his part. I'm showing up 100% of the time, whether I feel it or I don't feel it. And I'm going to do this until I feel it. I'm not going to praise when I feel it. I'm going to praise till I feel it. I'm not going to worship and read when I feel like it. I'm going to do it till I feel like it. I'm going to develop faithful habits. If there's one thing I can get to you tonight, it's stop being so flaky. Start being faithful. It's God's attribute. And there's nothing worse than a faithless Christian. Being faithful is just showing up. Just keep doing it just be faithful. I remember I was a part of a church that I literally couldn't stand going to. And I told my uncle who is the pastor of our, of the awakening, our ministry, we were having the awakening, but also part of a church. And I've been to multiple different churches in the last, you know, years in my early days before the awakening was like a full-time church. And I remember this is like, what, nine years ago now. I was like, I don't want to go. I don't have this. And I never experienced God that was complaining. He said, you know, what? we just got to be faithful that's one thing my pastor always taught me even if you don't feel it even if you don't want to show up just be faithful even if you're in a dead church but God has you there which God did have me there even though it was dead just be faithful just keep showing up and I remember him saying that Isaiah just be faithful God will honor you just be faithful and the more I was faithful even to a church I didn't even want to go to God was faithful to our revival God was faithful to our ministry so somebody needs to catch that tonight just be faithful Colossians chapter 1 Verses three through four, we give thanks to God, to the God and father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. So Paul didn't start his letter by attacking the heresies and say, these are all the heretical teachings that you guys have received. Paul didn't even address the heresies in the beginning. Paul starts by saying, I'm always praying for you now oftentimes when we see heresy or someone involved in heresy we're concerned and we go directly to them and tell them what we think they're doing is wrong or what they need to do rather than saying I'm praying for you before I write to you so oftentimes we need to pray first and then talk later how often do we even pray for someone and trust that God will lead them out of whatever they're caught in imagine this you prayed for people as much as you gossip gossip about them imagine if we went to god in prayer before we attacked them on social media imagine if you spent less time gossiping less time accusing less time attacking less time going after and more time in prayer this is what i've learned in the last few years the less you pray for someone the easier it is to gossip about them the less you pray for someone, the easier it is to attack them. So the more you pray, the harder it is to gossip. The more you cry out to God and intercede for them, the harder it is to attack them. So instead of praying on them, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, we need to pray for them, P-R-A-Y. Some of you are P-R-E-Y. You're praying for people. I'm praying on people. And God is saying, let's start praying for them. Instead of bad-mouthing them in comment sections. Guys, let me... <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but you're going to be accountable for what you comment in these comment rooms, these chat rooms. You get up in these comment sections, so-and-so a false teacher, so-and-so a heretic, and you're talking all bad and all mess about all these people. You don't think that you're going to be accountable for your idle words. You think God's like, here's what you say, but doesn't know what you type. You will be responsible for slandering, for accusing. Remember the devil's the accuser of the brethren for causing contention, strife, drama, for all this gossip and toxic poison we spread on social media, we're going to be accountable for every idle word the Bible says. So we're not just gonna, we're not just, I'm under the blood. No, you're not. You're not just gonna be able to say all these negative, bad things about people and think that you're just under the blood and there's no, there's no big deal. I'm telling you right now, we are accountable for what we say and what we type. Now, Paul didn't say, the Bible doesn't say we're accountable for what we type because there was no such thing as typing in the Bible. But if you're typing something, you're saying that to somebody and you will be responsible and accountable. So be very careful. You might think it's easy to type something. and 99% of what people say and do online, they would never do in person. But I just wanna warn you and give you this thing of warnings. Let's start praying for people instead of gossiping about them. Let's start believing God, that God's the one that can change, that God's the one that can deliver, that God's the one that could correct. Man, you're like, listen, you make five videos, all right. But you make 30 videos about somebody it's like okay at that point just trust God at that point you're just you're you're in the realm of obsession now you're obsessed with them you're obsessed with them instead of being obsessed with people and making nonstop videos and comments about them just pray for them say look I made five videos already I made three videos already let me just pray for them and pray that God would lead them and this is before Paul addresses and combats the heresy Paul says I, I pray for you always and then ver- chapter one verse five through six he says because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven very important there Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of what you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel which has come to you as it is also in the world and it's bringing forth fruit and it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of god and truth so paul mentions mentions faith and love in verse 4 and then in verse 5 he mentions hope and these are the three foundational truths of the christian life faith referring to believing jesus died and rose so now that we can have fellowship now we get a fellowship with God and be safe from our sin because of we Jesus, what Jesus did. Love, being that God unconditionally loves people even though they don't deserve it. So we need to have faith and love and love people unconditionally even though they don't deserve it. And then third, hope. And the hope is the expectation that when we die, we will be in heaven with God for eternity. Paul said the hope is laid up for you in heaven. Now I want to note that Paul says the hope is not on earth. So there is hope that we have that's laid up somewhere and it's laid up in heaven because no one can take it from you if your hope was laid up on earth it could be stolen but because it's up in heaven It's protected from anyone robbing you of it. So your salvation's in heaven. Your salvation is not an earthly thing. Nobody can take your salvation. Nobody can rob you of your salvation. Nobody can steal your salvation from you. The only way that you can not have this hope stored up in heaven is if you choose to turn from God. And I'm gonna show you that once again tonight, I'm gonna show you how once saved, always saved is a false doctrine. And I'll show you that again explicitly here tonight in Colossians chapter one. But the thing is, no one can rob me of my hope nobody can steal my hope you can take everything from me you can take my house my car my family my this my that but the hope that I have is a heavenly hope that is stored up eternally that nobody can steal from me he also mentions how the gospel is bringing forth fruit in all the world when you preach the gospel it will produce fruit I know you've been preaching to friends and family and you think that nothing's happening and you're discouraged going Isaiah I've prayed for them and preached to them a million times but just know that the gospel has power to bring forth fruit in all the world. And the Greek word for gospel is Evangelion, and it means the good news. It's where the word evangelist comes from. It's the good news of Jesus. The good news that Jesus' death and resurrection makes a way where there was no way. We go from being at war with God to now at peace with God. Know this, friend, that before Jesus died and rose, there was was not a pathway for humanity to have peace with God what all the prophets couldn't do all throughout the New Old Testament they tried restoring fellowship restoring what God did none of them can do it so God himself steps down enters earth and now does what nobody else can do himself dies for us on a cross raises from the dead may oh this should make you excited tonight and makes a pathway where there was no pathway makes a way where there was no way we were at war with God. The Bible says, we were enemies. We were sold to slavery. The devil owned us. And Jesus comes and says, not anymore. I'm going to make away with God. It's also good news because it's a free gift. Meaning, and I'm just helping you guys here, you don't need to work for it or earn it. It's not what, what we do to make it happen. It's what Christ already did that makes it happen. So no amount of good works We'll be able to gain a salvation that we can't earn our salvation we can't earn our way into heaven it's good news also because you get to start over think about this the gospel the message of the good news of jesus the born again message of jesus is a brand new start for a person where god takes your sin you live this wicked life you go think about this 30 years of every debauchery every immorality every type of lust, every type of bitterness violence anger every bad thing you can think of and there's no way for you to start over to start over you'd have to be born again in your mother's womb and we all know you can't go back in your mother's womb and start over there's absolutely no way to start over you've ruined your life you've made every bad choice you are going to stand before god guilty of every single punishment of life and uh, of eternity in hell yet jesus comes and says Here's some good news. Because of my death and resurrection, you now get to start over. What? You're telling me after every bad, somebody needs to put a hallelujah in the chat. After every bad decision I've made for 30 years, 50, 70, 80 years, I've lived in constant sin. I've broken every law twice, three times over. Right now, because of the mercy of Jesus Christ and what he did I get to be born again and get a fresh start and you're going to take my sin? Friend, this is something no pill can offer you. No therapy can offer you. If you had a billion dollars in the bank, you could not buy a second chance at life. Yet the good news is you get to start over. The best thing that you could ever hear is that you get to die and start fresh. This is why I don't get when we preach the gospel. like, Oh, you know, come to the altar and invite Jesus in your heart. I'm like, what? No, the gospel is... You die with Christ. That's the, the best thing that could ever happen to you is that you get to die and start over. You become a new man. If any man be in Christ, the oldest dead and the new new rises up. We need to stop telling, oh, Jesus loves you. Just invite him in your heart. We need to tell people, hey, who wants to die and start over? Who in this room wants to lay their sin down, die, and then be resurrected a new person in Christ? That's the message Jesus repent turn if any man this is the message jesus preached it wasn't the soft watered down sour patch kid compromised gospel these pastors out here in america preach it was this if any man wants to follow me he must lay down his life pick up his cross if he hangs on to his life he will lose it but if he lets go of this life he will gain life what what in the world are you talking about jesus jesus was saying this is the good news you get to die and behold all things are made new that you are a new person this is what the world needs to hear i mean you come to me i was an atheist and say oh jesus loves you i heard that my whole life jesus loves you and guess what i love me i don't care about jesus loving me i love me i was obsessed with myself and i was arrogant and prideful i loved me i didn't need to hear jesus loved me i needed to hear isaiah you need to die you need to die you are full of sin full of compromise evil thoughts. Guys, I had the dirtiest mouth you can imagine. It was so dirty. My unsafe friends were like, I don't know if you should say that, bro. That's a little bit dark. I mean, I'm talking about a dirty mouth. I don't even know why I wasn't raised that way. I was raised in a Christian home. My parents, I never heard either of them cuss in my entire life. We weren't allowed to watch dirty movies. I was sheltered. And around the age of 16, when I got a job, I decided I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to be, because it's cool. I don't believe in God. I'm going to be an atheist. Whatever that even means. No one even knows what that even means. I'm going to be an atheist. I'm going to deny God. And then I just developed this dirty mouth. Disgusting mouth. Disgusting thoughts. Wicked, evil, perverse. Every other word almost is a cuss word. Dirty jokes. Just, uh, I don't even know the word for it. Demonic things I would say all the time. So how is it then I go from... Just naturally, nonstop, just dirty mouth cussing. The devil twisted me up like an Annie Ann's pretzel to now I'm at the altar. In one, less than a second, I'm born again and I've never cussed since. I walked away from being this vulgar, dirty mouth to no more dirty thoughts, no more cussing. How do you do that? How is that? I'll tell you why. The old man dies. And a new man rises up from that grave. That's the message. That's the Romans 1 16. It's the power of God unto salvation. Not this soft water down. Just invite Jesus in right now with your eyes closed. We see those hands. What are you talking about? No one ever did that in the Bible. Peter said this. You must repent. You must repent. That's what you must do. Turn from your sin. Die to yourself. Get baptized. Why are you telling us to be baptized, Peter? Because baptism, what is it a sign of? Death to the old man. Like the children of Israel, the Bible says, going through the Red Sea, God drowns the Egyptians. Baptism is God drowning the Egyptian in you. They, You know the Bible likens baptism to God flooding the earth in Noah's day? In the same way God flooded the earth and killed all the wicked people, baptism, are you guys catching this tonight? Type one in the chat. Baptism is that old man, the wicked man, drowning and your resurrected new life that's literally what baptism is so the two things the Bible likens baptism to the children of Israel and God drowning the Egyptians drowning the old man and then Noah in Noah's day everybody all the evil people were drowned the wicked people and God says that's what I'm gonna do so wouldn't it make sense that in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 when they said what must we do to be saved Peter didn't stop and say all right this is what we're gonna do everybody close their eyes if you want to receive jesus keep your eyes closed raise your hand and then we're, we see those hands we see those hands okay everybody repeat this prayer Jesus, I believe you died. I believe you rose. Come into my heart. Okay, now we're going to have ushers give you guys a card and we're going to call you in a week and get you to try to come back to church next week and try to see if we can get you to be really radical and give 5% and then try to get you to be really radical and if you are super radical, come to prayer and then just kind of keep coming and, you know, don't change your life. Don't die to self. No such thing as hell. You know, none none of that doesn't really matter. I mean, we know Jesus preached that everywhere, but I mean you need to get woke. It's 2022. No one wants to hear about dying. Nobody wants to hear about the cross. Like, come on, that's like totally not cool. That's not going to get good views and numbers. And that's good. We don't want to offend anybody and the old man. You know, we don't want to offend him. So let's just make a bunch of fake converts that are not born again, that struggle their entire lives, but never give them the life changing message that Jesus preached. Death is essential. This is the good news. I know I'm going long on it, but you have to get this. We have to have good theology. When it comes to salvation, salvation is not just pray a quick prayer. This is real power that happens. You don't have to feel it. It's not about emotions or feelings, but it's about turning from that old man, death to self. You can't get around this. You can't be like, Oh, that's an, that's, you know, a higher version. No, it's not. That's the entrance to the kingdom. The entrance to the kingdom is you must be born again. I'm confident in this because this is what he told Nicodemus. He goes, you can't, there's no way to perceive the kingdom without being born again. So there's not like another, a softer version of this. This is the message that Jesus preached and the disciples in the early church preach. Just because it's not in America doesn't mean it's not biblical. So that is the good news, friend, that tonight you can start over fresh. Start over. You die, you're resurrected in Christ. Nothing else is needed for salvation but Jesus. It's not what you know that saves you. It's who you know that saves you. It's not about knowledge. I know more, I could be saved. No, it's about who you know. It's by knowing Jesus. Colossians chapter one, verses seven through it. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. So Epaphras, a convert, because of Paul's ministry, preached the truth about Jesus in that city, and a church was born. So this church, this book of Colossians, Paul's writing to these believers, they are a result of Epaphras preaching and Paul acknowledges them at him as their spiritual father and gives him the credit that he deserves and evidently Paul heard about the Colossian church from Epaphras and there's many ways again I just want to be clear guys just because I don't pronounce some of these right doesn't mean they're wrong someone's like you're wrong about Mormons because you pronounced our thing wrong it doesn't matter how we pronounce it it matters what's true or not so again there's multiple pronunciations when you look these words up it's all good we're going to keep moving here Colossians 1 9 through 12 for this reason we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and the wisdom and spiritual understanding that you you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy giving thanks to the father when Paul says I'm praying this for you or this is what I want for you underline, underline, underline. This is Paul's desire for believers. So I'm going to list the desires that Paul has for us. Okay. And we're going to remember these and go, these are great places to start. If you're trying to develop into a strong Christian, start here. Now, one of the heresies Paul is combating is the idea that you just get more knowledge. You don't need to live it You just need to have more knowledge as Gnosticism more knowledge more knowledge more knowledge we know there's a lot of bible preachers that are full of knowledge and wisdom but they don't walk worthy of their calling they don't actually walk it out so what good does it make if i know every single verse about prayer for example but i never pray what good does it make if i know every single verse about laying hands on the sick but i never lay my hand on the sick what what good is it if i know every verse about jesus casting out demons but I never cast out demons. What good is it if I know every verse about fasting? Are you guys seeing this? But I never fast. So the problem is we have a lot of these guys that teach, teach, teach. They have all the knowledge and they, they they're very shiny and they're very good speakers, but they don't apply the knowledge. And so we don't just want, we do want knowledge, but we don't just want knowledge. We want application. We want to actually walk out these things. So what are the things Paul is praying for them about? What are the things that we all need tonight get ready to write some of these down I'm going to break down everything Paul describes here quickly in Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 12. first thing is knowing God's will okay so we want to know God's will this is having spiritual direction for making decisions knowing what God is God's way is in a situation so this is like knowing God's will is how does God handle situations and this only comes by reading the Bible and praying so that when a circumstance comes, I can look at it and say, how would Jesus deal with this? And I can look to the word and go, oh, this is how He dealt with it. So getting to know Jesus, getting in prayer, reading the word of God will, will help me to, to develop a knowing of God's will. Like I know the will of God. So for example, I know when I pray for my family, it's God's will to save them. How do I know that? Because there's a verse that says it's God's will that none perish, but everybody, every single person comes to salvation. So that means I know that my family is part of that every single person. So I'm going to pray for my family and I'm going to pray the will of God. I know it's God's will for my family to be saved. The bible says you and your whole household shall be saved so i know god desires to save people his will is nobody perishes so i'm going to preach to people i'm going to pray for people because i know it's not god's will that anyone dies and goes to hell and they're separated from him these are things that you can know the will of god jesus went about healing all those that were sick and those that were oppressed of the devil so what do i know it's the will of jesus to heal those that are sick and to cast demons out of those that are oppressed of the devil I know this now so I don't have to pray for the sake and go oh God if it's your will I know it's his will because I know what the word of God says I know it's his will to cast out demons so I don't have to beg Lord please cast demons out I don't have to beg I know it's the will of God so I'm going to pray according to his will because it's clearly in Scripture it's clearly what Jesus did so this is knowing the will of God so Paul's like I want you to know the will of God I want you to have spiritual wisdom and understanding and this is have, having spiritual insight and then applying it to our life and this is spiritual wisdom and understanding not man's wisdom and understanding this comes by having the Holy Spirit okay we need the Holy Spirit to give us that okay also living a worthy and godly life this is another thing he said I want you to live a life worthy of God worthy of your calling and this is making choices that are moral to show Christ like character living a godly life is saying no to the things the world offers you that will make you immoral and not live godly and saying yes to the things of God meaning I don't live my life like everybody else my life is different I'm set apart there's a difference in my life and I make moral decisions to live a Christ life a Christ like lifestyle it's not just automatic well I have Christ in me so I live like Christ that's not automatic gee the Bible says be holy doesn't say you are holy it says be holy as I am holy now you are righteous because of Christ in right standing but you're not holy unless you choose to be holy holiness is a choice the Bible says again if God would never say to be holy if you're automatically holy the Bible doesn't say be righteous because you're righteous because of Christ I'm teaching y'all tonight I'm, I'm teaching you okay so living a life a godly life worthy of your calling okay and then also being fruitful in every good work this is Paul's desire for them this this should be me doing things That lead people to know Jesus personally to bear fruit is there fruit in my life are people getting to know Jesus because of my life am I living a life bearing fruit producing something I'm not just saying I'm a Christian but I'm bringing other people into that reality as well so being fruitful in every good work increasing in the knowledge of God and that's gaining the knowledge of God and that helps remove the lies of the enemy the more I know about God the more I know when heresies pop up or lies pop up, they get me off track. I know that's wrong because I'm gaining the knowledge. I'm increasing in the knowledge of God, okay? So increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthen with all might, and this is the power to endure trials patiently with God's strength. So I'm now enduring, strengthen with all might. God is strengthening me with that spirit of might, that strength that only comes from the Holy Spirit. Patience and long-suffering with joy. This is not me just putting up with difficult situations this is me living victoriously and giving god the glory even through hard situations patience and long suffering with joy that's what paul says and then lastly having a grateful heart regardless of the circumstances i'm giving you guys a practical here regardless of the circumstances i can praise god i can worship god and in fact difficult circumstances draw me closer to god not draw me away from god Colossians chapter one, verses 12 through 14, who has, look at this, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. So he says, you've been qualified to partake in the saints inheritance of living in the light. This Christian inheritance includes knowing Jesus, having the Holy spirit having the love of God God's peace God's supernatural healing God's delivering power all of these different things David said help me not forget your benefits O Lord all of these inheritance were qualified now to partake in them because of what Jesus did these are all benefits I can name a list of 30 benefits we have in Christ now we're partakers in that also we've been delivered from the power of darkness Satan holds every unbeliever as a hostage They are doomed for eternal hell destruction until they're set free by the blood of Jesus. Okay. So we've been now, we, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you haven't been, but as a Christian, we've been delivered from the power of darkness. We've been delivered. The one translation says we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Think of it like you do a wire transfer from your bank account to another bank account we were in Satan's bank account. Okay? And I'm using these terms so you understand. We've been transferred. There was a wire transfer. Jesus' blood paid for to transfer us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's divine light. And now we walk as partakers in that kingdom. So we're delivered. That's what it means by delivered from the power of darkness. We are delivered from the power of darkness, conveyed, transferred Into God's kingdom brought out of the rule of Satan and into God's kingdom. Now fully able to obey God before I was a believer, I was unable to obey God fully. I was in Satan's kingdom. I was a prisoner of my flesh. I was a hostage. I was a slave essentially, but now I've been brought into the God's kingdom. I've been redeemed. So that's what he's saying here. But, and by redeemed, he's talking about, I've been bought back. We have redemption through his blood what is redemption what is redeemed it means to buy something back or to initially purchase something that means we've been purchased and in those days this is what it meant purchased from the slave market this is what christ has done when christ excuse me died on the cross we were in a slave market owned by the devil the bible says that we are children of the devil and now god's given us right john chapter one to become children of god now we've been purchased from the slave market God's redeemed us, he's bought us, and now we're in his kingdom. If I go buy this iPhone, right now, that's redeeming it. I've redeemed the iPhone, I've purchased it, it now belongs to me. When God purchases us, we now belong to God. You no longer belong to the enemy, you belong to God. Forgiven, which every Christian sin are completely forgiven, and forgotten. Write this down, write this down. My sins are forgiven and forgotten. Some of you just think your sins are forgiven. You don't realize God has actually thrown your sin in the sea of forgetfulness. Look at what Isaiah 43, 25 says, even I am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Look at this. Sorry if I blew your eardrums out with that clap. Let me read that again. Some of you need to do a, just jump right here. Isaiah 43, 25. I am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more micah 7 19. once again you will have compassion on us you will trample this is what god will do look at this you will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean some people call that the sea of forgetfulness you will remember your god says i will trample your sins under my feet i will remember them no more is it possible that god can forget something well It says here he remembers them no more god chooses to forget forget our sins here's the problem oh oh man this is strong tonight stop bringing up sins god has forgotten about stop bringing up sins that god has forgotten about you keep going to god like this broken beat down beggar going god please forgive me of what i did five years ago and you've already repented 20 times and God goes what are you even talking about imagine God forgets your sin and you remind him you keep reminding him of your sin you keep going to him going God forgive me of what I did five years ago and he's like I don't even know what you're talking about you just reminded me of that I forgot about that but you keep reminding me of my sin of your sin I'm forgetting it you're the one that remembers it now it doesn't say we're gonna forget our sin it says he's gonna forget our sin so tonight repent of that sin stop living if i can only go back if i can only change this if i only raise my kids listen the past is the past forget about there's nowhere in the bible that says go back to your past and remember it we throw our past we forget it paul says it's rubbish it's garbage i look forward god is not calling you to go to your past he's not calling you backwards now there's a there is a place where we remember what god has done And we remind ourselves of how God's delivered us. And we make monuments in the Old Testament. I want to be clear on this, of what God has done. But God was saying, remember how I delivered you. Don't remember your sin. You don't need to sit around remembering all the sinful things you did. You remember how God's delivered you. Yes, you have that flashback and the memory of what God has done. I want to be very clear here. But we don't say, let's go back in our past. And look at here and look at this and look at that no we don't go back stop bringing up the sins that god has forgotten if that doesn't help you tonight that's how that helps me tonight colossians chapter 1 verse 15. he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn over all creation so now paul i know we're going long here that's why thank god we're only doing chapter one paul is now going to transition from describing who jesus is to, to now transition to describing who Jesus is and the authority he holds. And now in the next few minutes, you will not be able to say Jesus wasn't fully divine. After what I'm going to show you, Paul's going to combat the idea that Jesus was not divine. Remember, this was the idea that was being taught. Jesus isn't divine. That's what they were teaching. And this was a very prominent teaching. They basically taught Jesus is a prominent figure. He was just a very prominent person. Paul says he's not a, just a prominent figure. He's a preeminent figure. And preeminence means he surpasses all others. He is distinguished in a category of his own. So he's not just prominent, he's preeminent. That's Jesus. He is hands down the most important person to ever walk the earth. And that's not all. He's literally God in the flesh. He is, he was and is God and reflects God the Father perfectly. And if you wanna know what God the Father looks like, look no further than Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, okay? So what is Paul saying in verse 15? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And one way to see Jesus is to see a mirror, okay? A mirror, if you look at a mirror, you see your exact likeness. So Jesus is the mirror image of God. That's the verbiage they're using. If you looked in a mirror, you see your likeness. If you look at Jesus, you see the likeness of God. Fully God, fully man. And some of you, you scratch your head right now. You're scratching going, I just don't understand this. Like, I don't understand how you could be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How could it be three and one? They're all God. They're all together, but they're all equal. Is there three gods? I get it. You're confused about it, but let me help you out here. You don't have to understand it. You're not God. The fact that you can't understand the Trinity does not make the Trinity false. It makes you finite. So we have all these guys that are like, the Trinity doesn't make sense. Where in the Bible does anything have to make sense? Where did God say this has to make sense for it to be biblical? A lot of stuff in the Bible makes no sense. How about this one? I want you to build a boat, but it's never rained before in history. Do you know that in Noah's day, rain, water had never in history fallen from the sky? Water, the Bible says, came out from the earth. Did you know that? So Noah's building a boat for a hundred years and it's not one drop of water has ever fallen from the sky. And God says, it's going to rain, Noah. By the way, I know it's never happened, but rain's going to come out of the sky instead of from the ground. Does it have to make sense? No, it doesn't have to make sense. Why? Because I'm God. And if I tell you to build a boat, don't, don't ask me, just build a boat. So we live our lives trying to rationalize god and rationalize eternity and does this make sense let me just free you doesn't have to make sense now to me it does make sense i don't get confused when i read the bible i'm like it makes perfect sense father son holy spirit all equally god three different forms all equally god three persons but what one god all, it makes sense to me but for those of you like it still doesn't make sense just give up the idea that it has to make sense you're not god you are finite you're not, you're not infinite. You're not eternal. You are a finite being that has a limited understanding here on earth. Okay. One commentator says this, Paul stresses that Jesus is the firstborn over all the creation. This is not saying that Jesus was born into the Godhead or Jesus was created, but that he preceded all of creation and is sovereign over all creation because he was the force that created it. Look at this this statement reversed refers to jesus's place of authority because a firstborn human has superior position in the family when paul says that christ is the image of the invisible god he means that christ came to give us a visible expression of a god who is invisible that is why no one can access the no one with access to the bible can claim ignorance of what god is like okay so very clear why does it say jesus is the first first firstborn over all creation not saying jesus was born or created in the godhead like he wasn't there and then all of a sudden now jesus was born first of creation what it's saying is he holds precedence over all creation because he created he was the first one there he holds a superior position in creation okay so again, if you've ever wondered what God was like, read the gospels. If you want to know how God responds, look at the way Jesus responds. If you want to know how God deals with sin, look at the way Jesus dealt with sin. If you want to know how God the father thinks about miracles or what he thinks about deliverance, look at how Jesus performed miracles and casted out demons. Colossians 1, 16 through 17. This is one of my favorite portions in the Bible. For by him, capital H meaning Jesus, highlight this, for by him, all things were created that are on heaven and on earth. So now Paul is saying, not just things that you see, but heavenly things were created by him. So what did Jesus create in creation? All things. Not one thing that's ever been created was not created by Jesus, okay? Just make that very clear. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth. But then look, now Paul's gonna say not just that, but we're gonna introduce two different worlds now. Paul says, visible and visible invisible and then he tells us what he means by that whether thrones dominions principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things consist so paul says there's two worlds that we live in and we have to take account for there's the visible world which is temporary the finite world this isn't the visible world okay it's temporary. It's going to go away. That phone will not want be here forever. My physical body is temporary. This body here. I know some of you, maybe yours is broken. Maybe yours is beat down. Well, guess what? One day it's going to be gone. So don't stress. It doesn't matter. One day it's going to go back from dust. It came from dust. It will return. That's the visible realm. You all, you all know what that is. Okay. But then Paul says there's also an invisible realm. Now what is in the invisible realm? Paul says, and Paul breaks it down. Thrones, dominions, principalities and powers these are angel ranks of angelic beings let's just say it that way whether good or evil because remember Paul is coming against a heretical teaching that says you should worship angels this is what they're being taught Gnosticism is telling them worship angels now Paul comes it's like Paul what are you talking about here Thrones Dominions Paul is coming combating that saying understand that everything you guys think you think you should worship angels Paul says no jesus created those angels so the idea that jesus is equal to angels because again this won't make sense if you don't know the context the idea that jesus is equal to angels is completely false jesus was the one that created the thrones the dominions the principalities the powers the ranks of angelic beings jesus created them so he's far above them remember ephesians 6 says we wrestle against these spiritual things these are spiritual rulers in heavenly places we know that these creatures are in the heavenly realms, whether good or bad, whether a good principality or a bad principality, they're in the heavenly realm. We don't worship them because Jesus is far above them. He created them, they exist in him and he holds all things together. Paul says they're created by him, through him and for him. Write this, Jesus is 100% always in control. There has not been a split millisecond where God was out of control. Jesus is always in control. Not only did he create them, but all of them consist in him. And he's the glue that holds all of them together. So let me ask you this question. If this verse is telling us Jesus holds the entire universe, visible and invisible universe together. Okay. Jesus holds all of it together. What makes you think he's going to let your life fall apart? It might feel at times like your life is falling apart, but if Jesus holds the universe the visible and invisible realm together created it holds it together what makes you think he's gonna let your life fall apart why do we have this small view of god like my whole life is falling apart i don't know what i'm gonna do like you think god's gonna let your life fall apart when he holds everything together if god can hold the invisible realm and the visible realm together in every universe planet star then how much more this is a word for someone how much more Can God hold your world together and make sure that things around you don't collapse? We need to have more faith, excuse me, in the power of God than we do in the power of the enemy. He's the one that's holding all of these spiritual principles and all these things in the spiritual realm together. The devil is a liar. He's not going to let your life fall apart. Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead then in all things he may have preeminence so paul keeps describing jesus and he describes jesus as the head of the church not the head of just your local church but the worldwide church which is referred to as the body of christ this is good theology here okay jesus is the head when someone gets saved they automatically become a part of this living body and christ is now the head and that's not all jesus is the only person who rose from the dead and never died again Everyone in the Bible that rose from the dead died again. Lazarus rose from the dead and died again. The little boy rose from the dead and died again. Every person that rose from the dead died again. But Jesus rose from the dead and Jesus never died again. None of these false teachers or heretics that these people are trying to worship ever rose from the dead. Jesus' resurrection emphasized his lordship over the material world. Death could not hold him down. Think about how strong that is. We are all going to die. Remember, death means separation. Physical death is separation. Your soul separating your spirit, separating from your body. That's what physical death is. The word death means to be separated. That's all it means. And Jesus withheld death. The Bible says death could not hold him. Where was your sting death? He withheld death and he overcame death. Dead, died, buried, and resurrected. That's the gospel message. These false teachers, none of them did that none of these teachers have done that one commentator said Paul did not say that Jesus was the first person to be raised from the dead because he was not but he's the most important of all people who were raised from the dead for without his resurrection there could be no resurrection for others so it's all hinged upon Jesus resurrecting from the dead we're almost done Colossians 1 19 through 20 for it pleased the father look at this that in him capital H is Jesus so it pleased the father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell and by him reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or in heaven having made peace through the blood of his cross so this is where paul makes it clear jesus was fully divine it pleased the father that in jesus the fullness should dwell the fullness of the godhead the fullness of god dwelled in jesus and by jesus reconciled everything back to the father jesus reconciles us back to the father he makes a way where there is no way Jesus is the only way to the father. So Jesus atoning death made it possible to have relationship with God once again. Okay. Colossians. So fully divine Jesus, fully man and fully divine. Do not listen to anyone that teaches falsely. Jesus was not divine. You heard it here first. Jesus was fully divine. Colossians 1, 21 through 23. This is, this is incredible. Look at this and you, so now, okay. So Paul was talking about these believers. I'm just going to take it, take you through the last hour here. Now he's talking about Jesus and his divinity and divine nature and everything Jesus did. Now, at the end of Colossians, we're almost done. Paul pivots and says, and you, so now Paul's talking directly to us. Okay. Well, he's talking to the church in Colossians, but the letters also applies to us. And now you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy blameless and above reproach in his sight wow but look at this if indeed you continue in the faith grounded steadfast and are not moved away by the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which i paul became a minister i'm going to show you that this is another place we have tons of them but here's another one where clearly once saved always saved is a false doctrine because look what he says here you were alienated enemies in your mind separated from god Yet now, so look what happens now. Jesus has reconciled in the body of his flesh through his death to present you to God. So you were alien, alienated, war with God, hated God, enmity, all the things, right? You had no peace. The Bible says you were God's enemy. You had no peace with God. Now you've been reconciled through his death. To So now Jesus can present you to the father as holy, blameless, and above reproach. Think about judgment day. When Jesus says, Father, I want to present to you Kelsey Griffin. She's holy, blameless, and without fault. And you sinned for 20 years, yet served God for the last year of your life. You were not holy. You were not blameless. And you definitely weren't above reproach in his sight. But because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus now, this is so life-changing, could present you to the Father and say, Kelsey Griffin, Father, here she is blameless, holy, spotless, and above reproach. And the father could look at you, Kelsey or Zephyr or Sharon or Jorge and say, wow, they sure were blameless, clean and washed by the blood of Jesus. What? How is that possible? And you, you're like, I've broken every law, but because of the righteousness and the blood of Jesus, he can do that. But here's where the once saved, always saved people. They're gonna get mad at me. They they always get mad at me anyways. But look at what happens here. He says, if. Here, there's an if. So this is not just live however you want, once saved, always saved. You can never lose your salvation. This right here proves once saved, always saved is false. Because he says, if what's the if? In fact, let me do this. Hold on. Let's do this, okay? I'm gonna I'm gonna show you to on screen. I'm gonna show you it on screen. Okay. Look at what he says here. Where's the if? okay where's the if fullness should dwell reconcile back to him and you who are once alienate enemies in your mind by wicked works look at verse 22 I want to highlight this I want to show you this so you, you don't miss it in the body of his flesh His death above reproaches sight. okay if indeed you continue so what do I need to do because this is very very important what do I need to do to make sure that I'm able to be presented because I want to be presented to the father I want jesus on that day of judgment to present isaiah salivar to the father this is so important could be one of the most important things in all the bible i want to be presented as holy blameless and above reproach i want to be so what do i have to do i have to continue that's what i have to do this is the instructions in the prescription if so it's not going to happen automatically the if says here's what you have to do continue what do i have to continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard wow so Paul tells me there's one condition to be able to be now we know we're saved this is not about works-based salvation we already know we're saved we already know we've been cleansed by the blood we're right in right standing now that we've been saved now that we've been reconciled we're no longer alienated enemies this is not about working for salvation look at this look at this we are now holy Gonna, we're now, right now, going to be presented holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. So now, that's where I'm at. But if I don't die for 30 years, right? I'm 31. I expect to live another 40, maybe 50 years. We'll see. But it, so if I don't die for another 40 years, can I just now live however I want? Can I just now go out to the club and the bar? and Because once saved always saved, brother, do whatever, you know, whatever I want. I've been saved. I've been redeemed. I said the little sinner's prayer that's not in the Bible, but whatever no this is now what you need to do here here's what you need to do you don't earn it you already have it you need to continue in the faith you need to be grounded and steadfast and you need to be not moved away from the hope of the gospel what is the enemy going to try to do the enemy is going to try to move me away from the gospel so i need to stay in the gospel i need to walk this thing out It's possible for me to move away from the gospel. It's possible to not be steadfast. It's possible for me to not be grounded. It's possible for me to not continue. It's possible for me to move away. This disproves, this one verse disproves, once saved, always saved. Paul's saying, listen, Jesus will present you to God blameless, but here's how you participate. You need to walk in this thing. One commentator said, God sees us without sin because of Jesus' robes of righteousness wrapped around us this has nothing to do with our own efforts. We will stand before God's judgment seat when Satan points his finger and says guilty and sinful, but Jesus, our lawyer and our advocate will say, this is my child. He's innocent of any wrong. And Satan will not be able to say a single thing to condemn us. That's the beauty of being presented before God. But the condition is you need to continue to walk in this. We cannot have this loose grace This do whatever you want, because if we preach that message, that do whatever you want, loose grace message, we're going to have a lot of people thinking that they're saved, that are not saved on judgment day. So we need to make sure that we properly present this. Now, there's no way you can Greek your way out of this, right? Well, in the Greek, you know, in the Bible there, and we try to manipulate and twist it to say once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved is a false doctrine. Let's just be clear on that. It's a false teaching. Now, not everybody that believes it or teaches it is a false teacher, but it is a false doctrine because the Bible doesn't teach it. The Bible teaches the branches can get cut off. The Bible teaches there'll be a great apostasy or falling away. The Bible teaches there's houses that are going to be blown over. The Bible teaches that there's names that will be blotted out. The Bible says, if you're victorious, I won't blot your name out. So the flip side is if you're not victorious, I will blot your name out so don't don't think and have a false sense of security because some nice tenderhearted teacher told you once saved always saved you we've heard that many of you are saying i heard that in my entire life the problem is there's no verse in the bible that says you can do whatever you want and because you got saved once you're always going to be saved we need to walk out and work out our salvation with fear and trembling and take this thing serious okay we're going to end here colossians we're almost done chapter 1 verse 24 through 27. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints to them. God willed to make known what are the riches of glory, the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay. Very basic. Paul Describes the concept of the church as a mystery. In other words, it was hidden until Jesus' appearance, until Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. People in the Old Testament could not understand how Gentiles and Jews could become one entity, but Paul comes and says, "This mystery of how can the Jews and Gentiles get along and become one entity has now been re- re- made, been made revealed through Jesus's work. What was once a mystery." How clean and unclean can come together as one church is no longer a mystery. Christ has made that thing clear. Another mystery, just to give you an example, was the casting out of demons. Because no one had ever cast out a demon until Mark 1 when Jesus showed up. So it was a mystery how someone could take authority over unclean spirits. Now we know Saul had an unclean spirit tormenting him. David would play the harp and it would temporarily leave him. But that was the only time we really see some type of deliverance in the old testament but surely it wasn't permanent deliverance jesus shows up and there's an, a mystery of casting of demons jesus reveals to us and that was him taking authority over unclean spirits okay so paul again is telling them that's the mystery of salvation was the jews and gentiles coming together jesus revealing that mystery we didn't understand it we didn't know but now we do colossians 1, 28 through 29 this is the end here him we preach so what who do we preach him capital h christ him we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in christ jesus to this and i also labor striving according to his working which works in me mightily so paul says i'm so dedicated we warn every man we preach to every man we teach every man in all wisdom why are we teaching and preaching why are we doing all this? Paul says, why why am i doing preaching to every man i can i want to reach as many millions of people as i can we are right now living in our biggest times of social media we've ever been we reached 50 million people in the last 30 days it's been exploding and it's the grace of god but why do i want to reach every man why do i want to teach every man and of course it's not just man but also woman here's why so that every person could be presented perfect in christ jesus Paul says, so that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And when he's talking about perfect, he's not talking about sinless. He's talking about complete or mature. Perfect does not mean sinless in this context. It means they're complete or they are mature. So that's Paul's aim to present every person in Christ, blameless and perfect, complete and whole. And that's what we keep preaching. That's what we're striving for. And then Paul says at the end, I want to show you Paul's last words in the chapter in chapter one striving striving according to his working which works in me mightily so paul paul says i'm striving according to his working which is working in me mightily so i'm striving but god is working in my body mightily where did we get off with this whole we don't need to strive brother we just need to relax just be lazy paul says i'm striving God is assisting me preachers that say don't strive are preaching not what Jesus preached this is what Jesus said they came to Jesus and they said this is in Luke I think 13 don't quote me it's either 11 or 13 I think it's actually Luke 13 off the back of my head they came to Jesus and said how many people are going to be saved and then Jesus said strive this is what Jesus said strive to enter through the narrow gate for many will seek to enter, but be unable to. So Jesus says, you want to know how to gain entrance to the kingdom? Strive. And then here we have Paul saying, I'm striving. I'm contending. I'm fighting. Striving means you're, you're working, you're fighting, you're contending. You're, you're speaking out against, you're taking a stand. It actually literally means to take a stand. Yet we have a bunch of these watered down preachers saying, well, I don't think we should be striving. What do you mean? Jesus said to strive. Paul said to strive so we do strive we do push and we do it's luke 13 okay i was right luke 13. we do go to luke 13 you're going to find it where they said how many will be saved luke 13 24. so we are striving we are pushing because the bible goes on in luke 13 to say god is going to shut the kingdom of heaven the door on those that seek but don't strive so the seekers god shuts the door on the strivers they enter in through the narrow gate i don't i don't care look at me i don't care if a billion preachers said we shouldn't strive If Jesus said to strive, I'm going to strive. They're all wrong. Jesus is right. Let me make this very clear. If I say something and Jesus, Isaiah Salazar, if I say something and Jesus says the opposite, Jesus is right and I'm wrong. If any preacher says something and Jesus says the opposite, they're wrong and Jesus is right. If Jesus says something, he's always right. This is one reason why I can stand firmly on the ministry of casting out demons because Jesus did it. He told the disciples to do it and now the bible says all believers will do it so i don't care if a billion preachers make a million videos that say we shouldn't cast out demons you're wrong jesus is right he did it and he told the disciples to do it you're wrong jesus is right there's no arguing about this this is what the bible tells us to do and then paul reiterates what jesus did and that's Colossians chapter one. And we'll, we'll, our next video will be chapters two through four. Father, I pray right now, every single person this broadcast. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to push after you. We will continue to seek after you, Lord. We thank you for your righteousness. We pray, Lord, that you would break the spirit of laziness, this laziness that is on us. Help us, Lord, to teach every man. Help us to warn every man so that we may present them complete and perfect in Christ. I also pray, Lord, that you would help us tonight in Jesus' name to continue in the faith, to remain grounded and steadfast, and to be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which we heard. I pray, Lord, that we would stay grounded. We would continue in the faith so that we may be presented to you on judgment day that, Jesus, you would present us to the Father as holy and blameless above reproach. This is, guys, I feel this so strongly. Father, we're asking you to do this in us. Help us, Lord, to not stray from the path Help us not to leave and fall into, t- fall into temptation and follow after other gods. Help us to walk according to your spirit and according to your way and according to your will. God, we pray tonight, Lord, that you would do what only you can do in our minds, in our hearts, in our, mi- in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would just bring healing to the bodies of those. You said that we have the full inheritance. The saints have the full inheritance and part of that inheritance is physical healing. So I pray Lord right now that you would heal bodies in Jesus name. Every single person listening, I pray in Jesus mighty name that you would be healed and made whole right now. All sickness, all disease would go in Jesus name right now. Father, do it only you can do. Heal bodies, heal bodies right now, Lord. Heal minds. Some of you, you need to repent. You need to die to self. I'm telling you right now, there is a salvation call not to repeat a prayer but to repent of your sin to come to god and say lord i turn away i believe you died i believe you were buried in rose and i turn away from my sin i turn away right now from my sin and i follow after you repent and then be baptized as a sign the old man is dying and the new man is res- is rise from the dead god wants you to be born again tonight let that old man die put that old man on the altar and let god kill that old man Tonight in Jesus' name. Somebody's being born again. Father, I just pray repentance over everybody. I pray the spirit of repentance over every single person listening right now. Bring them to their knees, Lord. Bring them to their knees. I pray a continual baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been baptized before, but tonight God wants to baptize you again. God wants to baptize you in his Holy Spirit once again. Lord, baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptize us in your power and your anointing. Lord, we're asking you right now to do what only you can do in hearts. Baptize those in the Holy Spirit and fire right now in Jesus' name. Fill us with your Holy Spirit again, Lord. I pray, Lord, right now you'd fill me again. Come on, just put your hands up. Put your hands up right now. Put your hands out in front of you. Ask the Lord to fill you. You just need to ask. You need to repent, ask, be hungry, and be thirsty. That's all you have to do. Repent, ask, And be hungry and be thirsty. And Jesus said, those that hunger and thirst shall be filled. Come on right now. Fill us Lord with your Holy Spirit. Fill us Lord with your Holy Spirit. Break off religion. Break off compromise. Break off complacency. I hear the Holy Spirit saying he's going to break the chains of apathy off of you. He's going to break the chains of apathy and indifference. Father, help us from being so indifferent. Help us from being so idle and so lazy and so compromised. Break off the chains of complacency. Break off the chains of apathy in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I feel a strong move of the Holy Spirit right now. There is a strong wave of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray, touch every person. Move into homes. I pray for revival homes to rise up in Jesus' name. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit to rise up. I pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit to fill your house, the fire of the Holy Ghost to move right now. We command every unclean spirit out in Jesus' name. Every unclean spirit, leave now. Let these people go. Be loosed in Jesus Christ's name. We command according to the authority that Jesus has given us. Every foul spirit to leave right now in Jesus' name. Every foul spirit, leave in Jesus' name. Let our bodies be houses of prayer, Lord. Deliver us. Deliver us. Come on, every spirit must go. Every spirit of anger, every spirit of addiction, every spirit of witchcraft, every spirit of confusion, go. Go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of rebellion, leave these bodies in Jesus Christ's name. Right now, go. You have no power. You have no strength. The Lord rebukes you. Go now. Go now in Jesus' name. Every foul spirit, go in Jesus' name. Sickness, go Spirit of infirmity, out in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Loose these men and women of God now. You have no power. You have no power. Leave this body now. Leave this body now. These people are not your home. Leave our houses now. We command every foul spirit dwelling in our home to leave our homes now. Lord, we pray that you would drive these spirits out of our home and you would fill our homes with the Holy Spirit. Fill our houses with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Holy Ghost, fill them. You are worthy, Jesus. We give you all the honor, the glory, and praise. Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy. We give you the honor, the glory, and praise. Sickness, go in Jesus' name. Demons, leave now. Leave now in Jesus' name. Father, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Heal stomachs. He'll necks, he'll backs, he'll nerves, ligaments, tendons. Father, we pray healing power be released right now in Jesus Christ's name. Satan, you are a liar. The blood is against you. The blood is against you. Thank you, Lord. Have your way. Everything that is not of God, out now. Out now. Every curse, we break you now in Jesus' name. Every generational curse, broken in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do what only you can do. Everything must go. You cannot resist the power of Jesus Christ, Satan. Loose them now in Jesus Christ's name. Thank you, Lord. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Move in their houses, move in marriages. I pray, Lord, that you'd restore those marriages that are on the brink of divorce. I pray, Lord, that you'd restore those marriages that are on the brink of divorce right now in Jesus' name. God, renew them, restore them, and do what only you can do in Jesus Christ's name. We ask you, Holy Spirit, for marriages to be restored, marriages to be restored, minds to be healed, bodies to be healed right now. Lord, wholeness, wholeness, wholeness and healing in Jesus Christ's name. Thank you, Lord. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Guys, just stay in the Spirit. Keep moving by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is moving tonight. That's part one of our book of Colossians. Amen. Type one in the chat if you were blessed by this and we will continue on. We're working through. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiasaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.